Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've been listening to the Daft Punk album Human After All quite a lot lately. And it kind of got me thinking, what do you think makes music feel human? What do you need for the kind of individual personality of someone to shine through? I think, for me, what I really latch onto when I'm listening to music is um, the interaction between people. Specifically, I've been really into the band recently, and you can just tell they were all in the basement recording uh, together, vibing off each other interacting so that for me is what makes music human i think is that something mirrored in the the process of premium leisure because i know in the past you've described it as like a revolving door of kind of oxford musicians yeah um i really i really sort of value having us so i write a song and then i bring it to the band and it completely transforms it. it it just generally turns it into something cooler I think because everyone in the band brings their their influences and it makes it a it, it called them, kind of broadens its horizons in a way I would say yeah and and we try and we try and play the songs as live as possible before we start recording and if we can record as much live then we we try and do that as well yeah I mean it's interesting too though because a lot of the songs. I mean, like, think of uh, Remedies or Ready for Forever, for, for example, have kind of very clear messages at the heart of them. Does that make it easier to bring it into that process? Because if you have that kind of defined message at the heart, I guess it's harder to lose that when you kind of bring it into that collaborative space. Yeah, I think so. Like, we often uh, the vocals is something we sort of get to last. Well, I, especially I get to last. So, but... Obviously, I've written a song based on the message behind it and, and things. So I guess that is, it's more in the songwriting process where that's been fed into the music. And then I think, and I guess it's kind of indirectly impacts how we play the, the song together. So when you're adding the vocals last, is that adding the lyrics to at that point? 
kind of completely constructing that on top of the kind of um, jam that you've come together? Uh, to not break? usually, no. It's usually um, it's usually all pretty much written. And then I, I usually have like four songs written and then we get into the studio and, and we see how many we can do in a weekend, basically. Um, and so the songs are pretty uh, f- formed in terms of chords and lyrics, but in terms of the, the tempo, the groove, that tends to change quite a bit with with the drummer and the bassist particularly. You were saying, you know, you often go on a weekend and kind of try and get through as many as you can. Was that the case for this EP? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, yeah, they record, because everyone's so busy doing on other projects and stuff, we just try and get a weekend where at least two or three of us are around for the whole weekend. And we'll do that a Saturday and Sunday. I might be able to send some demos over, but sometimes we go in completely fresh and learn the song in the studio and then, and then put it, get it down. And then it will be a case of just doing overdubs, mainly guitars and vocals, um, maybe some keys. Um, and I'll do that in my, well, I did that for this EP. I did that in my flat. Um, and, and the later songs, Ash, uh, Cook, the vocalist and, keys and guitar player sent some stuff over from his house while we we're in lockdown so yeah it's kind of as and as and when we can do it we we do it um but it come it all comes together quite quickly if you think about the time we spend on it um but it just happens over a long period of time so who was in the group that went into the studio for the weekend that the cp came so together? it was probably like two sessions we did um one was just me and the drummer um, and I was trying to trying to sing and play bass at the same time, and then and then we overdubbed the bass for that one. That was for the, one of the first sessions, and then the second session I got in um, Harry Deacon on the bass for for two of these songs. So it was two weekends doing two songs each. I think we did some other songs as well um, that we sort of that I'm still working on. Then the overdubs were were done mainly with me and Ash. And then Will, actually, Will came over one time and, and he put, put some backing vocals on it as well. Yeah. Feels like a long time ago, actually. <laughs> was this just after a lockdown? Was this kind of end of last year? This was year or? before lockdown that we did all this, yeah. Wow. Okay, so this is kind of pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. It was It was sort of, yeah. I think it was, 20, so that must have been 2018, sort of summer into winter, where we, all the songs were sort of coming together. Um, and then I, I mixed them and then sent them to Nathan and, um, he put me in touch with Ollie. Nathan's, Nathan's a chap who got in touch with me. Yeah. He put me in touch with Ollie, Ollie Bartonwood producer, and he had a few ideas and we got together and, and that's why that's the mix sort of session, uh, part of the process happened a bit there was a bit of a gap between that while we were trying trying to work out what to do with it yeah had you met ollie before were you familiar with him no it was um i'd obviously i think i'd heard nilifer yanya and um when nathan mentioned him to me i was i was thinking oh that that sounds like it could be a really good fit and it and it and i went to his studio just to hang out and listen to some music and uh seem to be on the same page we're like very similar in age and we have a lot of mutual friends it was very easy just 
really and I think he really got what we were what we were going for as well it seems as well that kind of you know the ethos we've been talking about where it's a very collaborative kind of atmosphere and it is that something almost rooted in plum cuts too the label I think so yeah I I've I've been listening to um, their other artist, Barnaby Keen, and uh, I don't really know how they've worked together, but listening to the record, it sounds like uh, there's there's definitely an, a nice groove in there. And I know Ollie was thinking of working with, um, uh, he recorded an album with uh, some people in Tanzania, I think it was. And oh, I remember he spoke about this when he was yeah, on the podcast, yeah. Um, Sound, it sounded like an amazing project. I think when when he first recorded them, he he wanted quite a dry sound, and he just he just recorded them on on a rooftop, which sounds. He, I think he's quite known wow. for just setting up studios uh, uh, in weird <laughs> places, and and you know, I think he said he had to put his laptop in the fridge quite a lot because it was so hot. <laughs> oh man, I can imagine. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think maybe that's their their approach. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a winning approach, really. You know, the more people, the merrier. Really, I recently did a session with P- Premium Leisure for, to record some new tracks, and we had I think there was about like seven people that came in and out of the studio at different times. It was it was like it was just after lock, lockdown restrictions had been lifted, and yeah, we just it was it felt like a bit of a knees up taken full advantage yeah <laughs> and, and yeah just got everyone's thoughts on how the song should go and yeah it was re- it was really fun first of all but i think it means you kind of get the best the best out of it as well when you said there's seven coming in and out how structured is that in terms of when the people are going to come in or is it quite free-flowing um it was free-flowing i i just basically said i got like the core rhythm section to to be there the whole time and I actually recorded two drummers at once, um, uh, which was really fun. And um, but then I just like Will um, Willie Healy was around in in Oxford at the time, so I said, "Yeah, come on down, have a listen." And uh, my friend Johnny Payne, who, who plays in a band around Oxford, he he just came down and took some photos and and sort of helped with like when we were deciding what parts should come in where and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was as and when people felt like coming in, if they were about kicking about. <laughs> How long after you've kind of created that space, do you start to feed off that atmosphere? It's kind of, it happens immediately really. I think cause we're all, we've known each other for so long now and we've been on tour together and, um, yeah. And we always just, and a lot of them used to live live in Oxford. A lot of them have moved away now. But um, but yeah, we used to just hang out all the time. So it was it just feels like we're at the pub or but doing being productive. I guess sometimes the challenge is actually trying to be productive. Actually, <laughs> we're just like <laughs> that. Someone's bought a new car, and we're like, oh, you know, just spend an hour looking at their new car and things like that. But it's uh, yeah, it's just fun and i think if you keep it fun you get the best results i think do you ever go into other people's sessions as one of those kind of revolving door musicians where you're the person coming into the room for a bit and kind of a part of that flow instead of being the kind of you know commander-in-chief and it's for your project yeah um i guess with with willie it's a very um 
it's yeah it's a very collaborative thing i think that's probably where it stems from because i was willie was willie healy was working with him was the first time i started working seriously on music really um and have you know it was quite early days with will when we, we started working with together sort of forming the band really um that was always a well not for every song but for a majority of the songs we'd we'd work on stuff together in his garage or we'd hire out a little we, we hired out a, a car garage at one point to to get a song down which was which was really fun a car garage yeah it was so, it was uh the drummer's friend owns um like I think he does like painting and and like blacked out windows for cars and he has this big garage and we just went after the working day and I think we just wrote a song um, till like the early hours and and I think that's probably where it stems from where we just get together and we used to just pull all our we'd all have different things so I'd have a few mics Mike would have a few mics and an interface and someone have some speakers and we just all take our stuff there and, and see what we could get down. So it's always been that kind of, it's never been very like, very much like, this is what we're doing. This is what you need to do. It's more like, what do you think? And that's, that's the way we've approached stuff. And that's, and, and now I've started doing a bit more production and things like that it's really helped with working with I've just been working with local Oxford artists um, and just working with them has been really like being on the other side not trying to be too forceful collaborating rather and making people realize um, their what they vision what their vision is and um, and not sort of being too much of the boss in a way does that impact the way you realize your own vision uh, musically in any sense once you've been in that space and you're helping other people realise theirs yeah absolutely yeah um, I think it's like I, I would say actually being a personable uh, person to be around is a is more than 50% of what you're trying to do the technical stuff doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's just I feel like the technical stuff is inspiration and the actual interaction with people and getting the best out of them or or them getting the best out of you and just keeping it real is more than 50% of making music especially in the recording stages yeah I thought that's kind of been one of the themes of this chat so far as we keep coming back to this idea of cultivating an environment and maybe is almost um is that almost as much the environment you're creating with the room itself but also the people in it yeah absolutely I think so. I, I get really nervous with if I if I try and um, start making music with people I don't know too well. I get really nervous, and I think that's because I don't know how it's going to go. It's the unknown. Whereas if I'm going in with people I know really well and I can relax around, then I you know it's it's, it's easy, you know. Can you gain anything from that nervousness you can get with working for someone for the first time, or is it purely uh, destructive? <laughs> destructive is maybe a bit of a hard word. <laughs> no, I like it. Um, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess it, it it 
if I went sort of, if I was really confident and went guns blazing, I think if I started working with a producer that sort of went straight in with telling me what to do, which I've never experienced and was really confident and had a real clear vision of what they wanted to achieve without you know, asking me, I, I would, I would say that nervous, I would say that's not, not great. So being nervous and making sure you're keeping everyone happy and, um, and you know, you understand what they want to achieve, what everyone wants to achieve. Um, then, then the ego just disappears and then the nerves go away. And then it's, it's almost like an icebreaker in a way. When you were going into that environment where you were producing other bands, did you think back to encounters that you had with producers prior to that that you'd enjoyed working with and kind of pick that apart a little bit and work out why it was it um, allowed you to feel yeah, absolutely. safe in that environment? Yeah, and that, that's, yeah. Um, we worked with Stephen Street in, in the early days uh, when we recorded Pipe Dreams. And I just remember that being the most efficient day and... Um, everyone was really buzzing and happy and it was like credit to him and and he brought some ideas to the table but did it in a way that didn't feel you know it didn't feel like we had to do it it didn't feel like it was it was you know it was make or break it was just like try this and see what you think and we were like yeah that's cool um, and then it, similarly, more recently with uh, Lauren Humphreys, who produced Will's Twin Heavy album. Yeah, just the way he more, he, I sort of feed more of his technical and listening ability and it, more his mindset um, and, and approach to stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely. But then there have there obviously been times in the studio where things have, are, are tough and... I've fed off those and, and in, in the way that I try and avoid those moments where everyone's getting arsy and, and whatnot. What would be an example of something that would prompt one of those situations? I think it's when the most common one for me is when someone is performing and they, you know, we've done maybe like four takes or something. And I feel like, we've probably got the best take already and they want to carry on doing more. And it's, and, and actually trying to manage that situation is, is I'm still quite, quite kind of learning the dark art of managing that situation. But um, actually just saying maybe we should stop uh, or maybe we should go and have a beer and come back and then, and then see and have a listen or, something like that. Those are the most common moments where someone's getting really worked up and they're not getting annoyed with anyone. They're just getting annoyed with themselves. And then, then you, yeah, just using words to try and calm, you know, say you've actually got it. You've actually nailed it. So let's move on, you know? Yeah. I remember like what you said there about, you know, stepping out to have a pint. I remember speaking to a producer a few months back who kind of said that exactly that, sometimes taking 15 minutes out can save you three hours. Like if you keep trying to push through it, the atmosphere in the room kind of just gets more and more hampered down by it and it can take you ages to kind of build back up to that warm collaborative environment you were in previously. Yeah, that's so true. It saves, it saves you time and just gives you perspective as well, listening wise. Who would you say pushed you most creatively working on the CP? I would say probably... My drummer Mike, he's always got 
he's always got a lot of great ideas. I think I get really obsessed with drum sounds and he always wants to get an interesting drum sound um, for for songs uh, and when we're recording. So probably him and, yeah, I would say Mike because he's, he's just, he's always sort of trying to progress and that's his sort of mindset. Mike Monaghan. How far back do you go with him? Uh, um, I met him uh, at the... F- first rehearsal with Willie Healy so that must have been like I think 2016 maybe 2015 yeah maybe more actually feels like longer maybe around 2014 I guess if you do a lot in that time with the person though like if you kind of look at the progression you've been been on since that point as a musician Mm. and you've kind of evolved quite a lot it can feel like a longer span of time yeah I think so yeah looking back to the way we did stuff back back then and how we played yeah, I think, yeah, he's the one that's always pushed me. He's a big sort of, he's a, he encourages everyone around him, you know. He's a, he's like the best person to gig with. He'll, he'll, he'll come off stage afterwards and like, you nailed it, mate. Like every night. And it never, it never, it never feels ingenuine, you know. It's like, he's always, yeah, he's great to be around. Has there ever been a night when he hasn't said it? Only about himself. Okay. <laughs> but he'll never, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he'll always, um, yeah, he always picks everyone up. Is that part of the reason, I know you were saying earlier on that you had the rhythm section there the whole way through, was it more than just having them there to work on the music? Is it because he kind of elevates everyone around him too? Yeah, absolutely. I think, every, yeah, everyone's just, we're, we're all just like having a laugh, really. He's a really funny guy, Mike, and he just gets everyone going, really. He does a lot of impressions. He's got a lot of characters that sort of come out of him. <laughs> Surely. What kind of characters? Um, he's got this uh, this guy who's he's got a wife called Janine, and um, yeah, he's just always blaming Janine for something, and uh, it just always cracks us up. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, a very sort of sexy Scottish woman that comes out every now and then as well. But they're always working; pro- they sort of evolve into different people. So I feel like I know all these people, but it's just Mike. <laughs> Sounds like someone at the fast show. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> like a Steve Coogan. I know you quite often draw on conversations too when you're writing yeah. lyrically. Yeah. Have you ever drawn a conversation that's taken place in the studio or at some point during the music making process? You know, when you're saying that, that it's such a relaxed atmosphere. No, I don't think so. I think that's always quite, it's always been quite separate. It's usually, you know, when I draw on conversations, it's usually a series of themes that I'm sort of noticing from what like people's mindset for instance remedies was sort of noticing all my friends sort of worrying about and friends and family people I knew just worrying about what they were eating all the time and and how they were doing uh, like exercise and all that and things so that's what that song came from so that's what I would mainly refer to when I say conversations and things why were they getting worked up about what they were eating I guess it's a a thing about you know you hear in the you know there's loads of loads of tv shows about what you should eat what's good for you and there's lots of stuff about in the in the media um about what you should eat how much you should exercise and then there's loads of apps you can get that can can tell you how when to stand up and when to 
go for a run and how many steps you should take in a day and all that. And uh, I've never, I've tried to like start running and uh, and then I got an app to to basically compete with myself and see how how I could get better at running. And it just stressed me out. I just didn't really like that. And that lasted about a week or two. But I still like going for runs, but I just go for a run and I'll listen to my body. And if I, if my knee hurts, I'll stop. I'm not going to try and push myself and get, you know, get torn up about not beating my, my previous week's score and things like that. So yeah, that, that, that's where it sort of came from. And, and I feel I had a lot of people around me who were doing, doing those things and no, there's not, I don't want to discredit the, those things, but for me, it was like, I don't really want to do that. Um, and I know love people love it. And, uh, I think it's really, really good, but for me, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And, and I r- rather live a bit more of a less regimented kind of existence. Yeah. At that point, it's almost like the mental benefits cancel out the physical one. That's it. That's right. Yeah. That's what the song's kind of about. And, and that was that was a prime example of how I feed off conversations with people, and and usually it's it's usually a series of things that I'm like, oh, I'm having this conversation quite a few times now, and maybe I should write a song about it. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that self competitive side you had with running does that ever manifest itself in your creativity or your music and in the process there? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's a. Yeah, it's not a great thing, really. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> how do you overcome it? I guess i I overcome it by by just trying to do as much as possible. I think I wake up every morning and think, how much music can I get done today? Or I'm always trying to trying to do, do as much as possible. Always comparing myself to artists in the 70s that were re- releasing it like maybe two albums every year and i'm just yeah beating myself like up the band I, like the band yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i i yeah that's what that i guess it's it's a good thing because it make means drives me to do do more music and write more songs and work with more people um with remedies you know we we're kind of touching upon there the idea that you can get caught up in these kind of health fads and kind of get lost in the the self-competitiveness of it occasionally. When that noise clears away, like all the fads and things, what do you realize is actually important to you? What kind of stands out? For me, in in life is, is uh, well, it could be many things, but one, one thing is like relationships, obviously. I feel like if I spend a weekend with my family, I feel so much better um, in general, I think. That can be the case for most people, and the same with my friends. Well, that's that's big for me, but also actually having a creative outlet is one. I can't imagine not have not doing anything creative. I can't imagine not making music. So that that thing is really important to me. And having a project outside, say your day job or something like that that you really love doing, I think that's for me is what I value a lot and what I try and avoid in life is having a, having too much of a schedule, uh, 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 not schedule, um, like, um, a routine routines really scare me. I, I had a job for a year where I was working in 
a factory environment. It was a good job, um, but um, I just look back on that year and I feel like that year just rolled into maybe two days because I was doing very similar things every day at the same time. And you feel like you almost lost a year. Yeah, it feels a bit like that. And that really scares me. So I, so that kind of put me into the mindset of I'm not going to have a routine as much as, as much as I can, <laughs> really. When you get to the end of a day then, when would you feel fulfilled? What would you have done in a day that would make you feel fulfilled and feel happy with, with what's happened that day? Um, on a music day, it would be making making something sound better, at least. Uh, I've been in the mixing zone for like the last two weeks and just getting some stems sent over and then listening to a reference mix, spending the day on it, and then get... and then hearing your mix in comparison to maybe the reference and thinking yeah maybe I've made something sound a bit better there or making or making something groove as well I'm really into um grooves and and making things sort of pop in in music so that that's that's a day when I'm like that would be a very reward rewarding day and then I just want to like wake up my wife and just say listen to this what's her response to that uh she's usually like she'll usually say uh don't you think that vocal's too loud or something like that straight away that'll be her first response and then then i'll get a bit annoyed and then she'll be like but yeah it sounds brilliant (laughs) (laughs) that idea of you being you know you're saying that you're quite focused on groups and that's one of the things you're you're drawn to when I listen to this EP, there's almost, it comes back to kind of how we started off the chat too about the what makes music feel human. Because there's almost a certain restlessness about it sometimes, the kind of feel of it. It has this, this frenetic energy that propels it forward. How do you go about creating that? Because it almost doesn't feel like something you could program. It feels very organic. Oh, that's, well, that's really great to hear because that's what we, that's what I try and go for anyway. Um, I think it, boils back down to the players really and just um the interaction between everyone playing um and there's i think we've with recording this ep we found there is sometimes a sweet spot in not over rehearsing so i think david bowie did this well like for, famously for one tune i can't remember which one it was but the bass player was always um, lagging behind the chords he was just I think the guitarist said just follow me and the bass player was always sort of slightly behind the, the guitarist and that's that gave a certain feel that Bowie was going for but when yeah when we sort of record we we might do we might learn the song on like I said in the studio but um, we get to a point where we've kind of worked out our parts but we're still trying different things as we go through. And there's that sweet spot where there's that spon- spontaneity in there, uh, specifically with the drums and bass where they might just do some sort of fill that's different or some sort of lick and, and that, that can't really be orchestrated um, through rehearsals where, where maybe if you rehearse it too much, then it becomes a bit stale. 
thing is as well, if you don't like it when it feels under-rehearsed, you can always rehearse more, but you can't do the opposite. Exactly, yeah. There's no going back. That's absolutely right. I never thought of it like that. You have, you know, we are talking about conversations earlier on too. You have on Ready Forever, you kind of look at these characters that are free from burdens. How, are they Are they drawn from conversations to those characters or are they kind of manifestations of, of a, a collective bunch of people? Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, a mix. I can't really like, exactly remember lots of conversations, but yeah, it's a mixture of things going on in my head and a mixture of um, conversations I've had with people or and, and certain approaches to, to life in, in, in a way that, you know, I often see someone who's living in a camper van. I'll be like, that's so cool. I wish I had the guts to just sort of sell or, or the stories where you hear like people sell their house and and then just live off the grid and things like that those kind of things uh, it was feeding off or, or like things I hear about there that or and thoughts going through my head about you know being a bit more carefree or being too carefree it's kind of it's quite an ambiguous song and you can take it whichever way you want to and and in how you're feeling so there's a there's a side of it that could be, you know, you'll be you're not caring about anything, you're not thinking about the future, or you can actually take the song the opposite way, as well. Could you ever see yourself going off grid? Mm, I think not. I love I love the idea, but um, could be an interesting way to record an EP. Yeah, solar powered EP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love I'd love to sort of do those that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think I, I have the strength. <laughs> I was just thinking because it kind of ties into your idea about no wanting to lapse into a routine. Like every day would be different. Yeah. No, I would like it. My friend just got back from Sardinia and he said his girlfriend's family, they, they basically live off the land. And it just sounded like a very, a very nice way to live. But then he sort of got into the details of it and then I was like, oh, wow, that sounds really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not too many modern comforts. Yeah, exactly. Easy FM is another one I wanted to ask about because I heard that for the the writing process of that, you you imagined yourself in an art gallery? Yeah. Well, yeah, (laughs) at times. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a comment on I, th- I think it, it spurred from a watching Aldous Harding at a gig and I was absolutely blown away by the performance but um, it was the atmosphere of the gig was really bad um, and she was sort of calling people out who were talking and um, but and I was just kind of really transfixed on her and she she had these like really like beaming eyes on people like if they weren't weren't watching her and it, and it, I got this feeling that everyone had just sort of turned up to the gig because they'd been recommended it and uh, they didn't they didn't really weren't really interested just so they could say they'd been to see Aldous Harding yeah it felt a bit like that it felt a bit sort of like sheep following you know the thing that's cool so I, it, and then that spurred on to, you know, like why, you know, they're not enjoying it. They're not. And then it kind of spurred on to like, um, diff, you know, I do, I wanted to take it away from being a music snob basically. <laughs> and so I, I envisioned 
and that sort of took it to an art gallery where where people are like oh this looks this looks interesting and then, and then it's like well do you actually like it because you know, i think everyone's been to and, and that's the great thing about art is that you, everyone's been to a art gallery and thought oh that that doesn't do much i don't get it yeah i don't get it or that doesn't do much for me yeah exactly so it's it's kind of a comment on that and and actually being true to yourself and what you like and and you know maybe not not following the trends and and actually just saying yeah i do like some 41 all killer no filler it's a great album <laughs> It kind of it ties back into what we were talking about with remedies. It's this idea of kind of following fads, and there's almost an element of like self acceptance to it, and wanting to feel a part of something. Yeah, and connected to other people. That's it, and just living, just being sort of true to yourself, and 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 it's probably a comment on the fact that I do that. I do, you know, I want to be like that, but I'm not. I'm I'm very much a follower of the crowds. I I can be a bit of a snob for no reason. Um, so it's, it's maybe in what way um well i recently had a had a chat with my friend uh recently because i don't like love island um and uh he called me a snob so there's many things i i'm a bit snobby about um for no, no i'm with you i don't think you're a snob for disliking love island. <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i think that's probably my most credible snob snob moment <laughs> <laughs> why why close the cp with the opener it made me think when I finished it and listened to it back. I was, it made me think a bit like of uh, Sergeant Pepper's, the end of Sergeant Pepper's, where it's like, "We hope that you enjoy the stay." That kind of line. It's kind of a hat tilt to that in a way. Um, in in that, at the end, it says, "I hope you had a good time." So I thought it was quite a nice way to end the end the EP, really. And it, it was called something else originally. And we changed it to the opener. And then it just seemed like a, a nice little juxtaposition, I guess, to put it at the end. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the, the closing line there too, because I know that you open the EP on the line, take care of myself, your son, mm. take a leaf and leave everyone. Mm. That almost has a similar feeling of kind of, not finality, but kind of closure to it also. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, that wasn't intentional. But that's a very good observation. Um, yeah, it's quite a nice little closing sandwich of the EP, I guess. Yeah, kind of bookend it with uh, closure. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like these days you're you can express everything that you want to express in your music? Are the doors kind of completely open for you at this point with this project? Um, probably. I, I'm getting close to being more like having more to say. With my previous songwriting, I was very safe and I didn't want anything to be too personal and I didn't want to say too much. I didn't want to be too preachy or anything like that. But I think as I've got more into writing lyrics and portraying a, a feeling and, and a message, yeah, I'm, I'm getting closer to that. But I still find writing something really personal um, very difficult. Um, and... I don't know. I don't also, I probably don't do that because I don't enjoy that myself when I listen to a personal song. I was talking to people recently about watching a band and they might explain what the song is about. And sometimes for me, that's great because it puts, it puts it in a, 
in perspective and you, you kind of understand it and it might you might get more from the song out of it but but a lot of the time for me I find actually I just want to take from this song I just want to take from it what I what I want from it you know it's quite a selfish thing but <laughs> I want to take the ambiguities or, or I want to you know see what it does for me rather than maybe picturing say if someone's really happy they're writing a really happy song this was a time when I was on holiday and I had a really great time and um and then you just think of them on holiday whereas it, it I think it disconnects you from the actual moment of actually just listening or watching a band and and thinking oh this is a really jolly song and I'm going to feel jolly for myself <laughs> rather than <laughs> feeling jolly for them as well but yeah so yeah long long story short yeah i think uh, i try and make try and sort of make something that relates to me but can also relate to other people i hope hi this is craig robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from invesco qqq the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 